0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now let's get into the podcast. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Just do me a quick favor. Just turn to the person next to you and say, I am so lucky to be sitting next to you today. Right, so can I just say once again to you, you are a precious and beautiful church, and I am so completely and genuinely grateful to God for each and every one of you and for this community and who we are, and who God is making us to be, I am so grateful for that. Can I just say, um, I have—you'll know—I before the summer uh, set in place uh, on the app uh, for you to be able to, on your own, make time to come and see me. If you want to chat with me, time with Paul, you want to just come and you know have a conversation with me. Can I just say to you, it has been. One of the greatest joys of mine to be able to do that with you. I have had such precious and beautiful conversations with so many of you. Thank you for that. It's been, uh, I hope it's been okay for you. Okay for you. It's been a real gift to me. And uh, just to say, it's still there. It's on the app, but it, it's kind of fully booked. I think the next spot is, I think, December somewhere. Um, so it's still there, and... Um, if you want to see me, uh, you know how to how to do that. Also, just quickly, I've been hearing so many testimonies from our Anointing Sunday, testimonies of healing, uh, of reconciliation and restoration. If you have a testimony from our Anointing Sunday, why don't you share it with me? I'd love for you to share it with me. Email me, paul at xrds.nl, and um, I'd love... I'd love for you to share that with me if you, if you feel you can do that. That'll be good. Okay. We are talking about, and as a church, we are in a very long way. We are concluding our mission month uh, from August. We've taken the, basically the whole month of September to conclude the month of August. Uh, by looking at Micah chapter 6, verse 8, let me remind us. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And then next week, so today, so we've looked at justice, kindness. Today, I'm going to talk about humility. Oh, there's a fun A fun subject to preach about humility. Johan's going to conclude it for us next week. And then the week after that, we're starting a new sermon series on the book of James. So for the next five or so weeks, we are going to work our way through the book of James. I hope you're excited. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. Humility. 1 Peter 5 verses 5 and 6 all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows... I mean, who does not want God to show them favor, right? Well, here it is, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. We've really kind of got the secret to life right there. Humility. Well, now listen, let's be honest with one another for a second. I mean, you're not going to hear many sermons on humility. If you have ever heard a sermon on humility, it's probably you can count on the one hand the number of sermons you've heard on humility. Uh, Humility is... You know it's um please don't be offended now but it's it's like going to the dentist. If you're a dentist I'm sorry but you do know we d- we really don't like going to you. You know <laughs> I mean we know we can't without you and we're grateful for your skills and your expertise because when we've got toothache we need you but we really don't like it. Humility is something like that or like paying taxes. <laughs> we know we need to do it. We know we need to be humble but I'm already humble, so I don't really need to talk about it. (laughs) Either that, or most of us actually never even really think about humility. We know we need it, but we don't expect it to be much fun. C.S. Lewis writes, I quote, arguing something different about humility he said to get even near humility even for a moment is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert Tim Keller preaching once about humility he said there is nothing more relaxing than humility why would he say that think about it for a second There's nothing more relaxing than humility. Well, pride makes us grumble at everything and everyone. Humility helps us to receive joyfully life as a gift. Humility, instead of making life gray and drab, is in fact the virtue that gives life color. Humility is for us the greatest of virtues because as we read Scripture, we very quickly begin to form an understanding that it is humility that unlocks for us all the other virtues. If you think about it for a second. Humility is the soil in which the fruit of the Holy Spirit can grow. So let's talk about humility for a second this morning. But let's begin with, before we get to what it is and why it is so important that we even talk about it, let's first talk about what humility is not. A couple of things. Number one, I think it's worth saying to you that humility, it's worth remembering that humility is not hiding your talents or abilities. Oh, Tiger Woods, will you please hit this golf ball? Oh, no, I can't. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I, I, can't, I can't play golf. I'm <laughs> humility is not hiding what you're good at. That's not what it means to be humble. Oh, no, no, you know, that. No. You're much better at it than what I am. You do it. No. Here is, think of it in this way. If you're part of a soccer team and you score one goal for your team, and then a teammate goes and scores three goals for your team, humility is the ability then to be pleased with your goal. To celebrate your goal, to talk about your goal, man, you should have seen that goal I scored. That was, that was a beauty. But simultaneously, humility is to be three times more pleased for your teammate who scored the three goals. Such a life. to live and approach life like that is not a burden. It's a joy. And it sets us free. It is the greatest of virtues, for it unlocks all the others. To be pleased with my goal, but to, with a beautiful smile, celebrate your three goals. Humility is not hiding what you're good at. To be humble, number two, what it is not, humility is not self-hatred or self-loathing or self-neglect. To be humble doesn't mean like, I mean, the Bible doesn't say hate yourself. Instead, love your neighbor. No, it says love your neighbor as you love yourself. So to be humble then is not to Be down on yourself. I think the one thing we must understand is that when we talk about biblical humility, what biblical humility and to live a humble life with your God, it will never ask of you or try to rob you of your dignity as an image bearer of God. That's not humility. That you walk through life like this, sorry that you're alive. That's not how the Bible understands humility. And then just finally, I think just to say, to be humble is not weakness. In fact, the opposite. Humility is not a sign of weakness. Okay. Let's begin talking about what it is. What does it look like? How do we begin to understand it from God's Word? And then... And then we're going to feed into that, Paul, why are you even talking about it? Why is it important that we think about, wrestle with, pray about, God, do I really walk in humility with you? Okay, trying to understand humility, I want to say this thing first of all to you. Before we can try and conceptualize Humility, because we understand that humility works out, it plays out in my interactions with the people around me, right? That humility is about how we treat one another. Before we can begin to conceptualize humility in that sense, how it outplays itself in my life towards you, I must understand this that all humility begins first of all towards God. That's where it begins to understand humility and to want to, if you wanted to begin to even live a life of humility, you've got to, first of all, direct humility towards God. It is gaining an understanding, seeking an understanding of who God is, who God is to you, who you are to God, what your relationship is with God, and what God has done for us. And out of that space, humility then begins to trickle down and flow into my other relationships. It begins and is, first of directed towards God conversely here's an interesting thought for you if I say it in a different way pride all pride before it is even directed to other people is firstly directed to God think about that for a second humility humility you very quickly begin to discover as you read God's word is in actual fact a very large theme in the Bible. James 4 verse 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Isaiah 66 verse 2, God himself declares that that the one he regards is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word humility is a big theme for god in god's word and god wants us to consider to think upon to reflect upon the virtue the fruit of the spirit if you will of humility Because when we understand it, it frees us and it unlocks so much for us in our lives. I'll get to that now. Okay. So, okay, Paul, humility, how do we understand it? What is it? What are we talking about? How does God define humility? If you're looking for a definition, a biblical definition for humility, do you want to write it down quickly? I'll give you one word for a biblical definition for humility. It's one word. Jesus. I love how God, instead of giving us some abstract definition for humility and what it is, He gives us His Son, Jesus Christ, descending from heaven to come and dwell among us, showing us who God is and what God is like and who we are meant to be. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is a central doctrine of the Christian faith. And in the incarnation, we have the ultimate divine expression of humility, what it is. And so if you want to know what humility is, what it looks like, what it means, study Jesus. From his birth. his life, his teaching, his death descending even further, the descending from heaven to earth and then descending further to the grave and then ultimately, and this is the paradigm, the beautiful paradigm of humility, and then ultimately the ascension. There can be no ascension, i.e. glory, life, joy, without the descention first, the descending. Descending precedes ascending. Humility precedes joy, and this is what we learn in the life of Jesus. His entire life teaches us about humility. Paul writes in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8, let me read for us quickly. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used To his own advantage, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Humility and servanthood go hand in hand. Being made in human likeness and being found, verse 8, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. So in trying to to define and understand what humility is and what it does and why I need it in my life, it needs to begin by looking at the life of Jesus. And I begin by looking at his birth. And as I look at the incarnation, I begin to think about words such as, for the sake of the other." For the well-being of others, a lowering, a descending servanthood for the sake of giving life to others. It's all wrapped up in our understanding of biblical humility. I mean, just think of, let's just, seeing as we're talking about the birth of Jesus, just think, arou- just think for a moment on some of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. I mean, we're getting ready for Christmas. It's almost here. I'm already preparing the Advent series. (laughs) But just think about it for a second. Jesus could have come, and he could have just come as a grown man. But he didn't. He was born as a baby. He could have been born in a palace, but he wasn't. In a manger with the animals. He could have come rich, connected, Powerful, but he wasn't. He was born into poverty and became a carpenter. He could have been born in a city where he can move and shake. He didn't. He was born in rural Bethlehem. And just think about this for a second. In the context of humility, the most important Moment in all of history, the event that triggered the redemption of the world, the union of Creator and creation, and almost nobody knew about it. In Jesus, in looking at his birth his life, his death and resurrection, we begin to unravel what humility is all about. What it is, what it does, why I need it. And so the first thing as I look at his life in trying to unravel what humility is, here is something that i come to understand. Number one is this. It is a dependence On God the Father, my Creator. True humility begins with God, I need you. I cannot on my own. I have a deep desire to put my life and all that I am upon you. I need you. I say and declare in how I live and how I make decisions that I depend upon you. Is the beginning of all humility. It speaks of a life dependent upon God, not just dependent upon God, but flowing out of that a deep yearning and a longing to be in a relationship with your creator. You want to talk humility? This is where we must begin. Rooted in the very concept of humility is a desire to want to know God, And to want to depend on him and his wisdom, his counsel, his strength for my life. So let me put it another way. Number one, in understanding what is humility and what does it do and why do I need it? Humility, number one then, is a life that says I want to focus my life on God. That's the first thing. And not on myself. Humility chooses to focus on the Lord. And here's the beautiful thing that happens. It frees me then from my preoccupation with self. And that allows me, here's the beautiful thing. That allows me to enjoy God and the people around me in a way that proud people can never. Colossians 3 verse 12 to 13. When I focus on God and take the attention or focus on myself, it frees me to enjoy God and you in a way that pride prevents me from doing. Number two, what humility is and what does it do and why do I need it? Because humility, number two, it frees me to serve others. This is what I learned from the life of Jesus. As I study Jesus and I'm trying to unravel humility, I learned this, that humility frees me to serve others. It is probably one of the greatest paradoxes of Christianity that in order to be great, we must be servant to all. Humility. See, pride will stop me from this. Humility helps me and frees me to serve. For Christ, the Bible says, came and took the form of a servant. Number three, what it is, why I need it, what does it do? Well, it frees me to not just serve others, but think about it. Humility frees me to learn from others. Pride gives me a very narrow perspective on life. I know. Don't you worry about it. I don't need you. I've got this. I've got the answers. You can teach me nothing. Of course, we'll never say that, but many of us go through life with that attitude. And so what humility does is it frees me to learn from you. It broadens my perspective. It it takes the grayness and it colors it in. If I go through life with a perspective and understanding, you can teach me something. I can learn something from you, and from you, and from you. Just think how much richer and more colorful my life will be. Can I just throw something in just as a side on this? What humility does it frees me to say sorry. We live in a culture where it's not cool to be wrong. In fact, we're never wrong. Has this ever happened to you? No. Are you okay. Well, it's just me then. <laughs> Thank you, Leon. I, I suspected as much, Leon, but you nothing. Know, where, where there's some traffic incident and somebody clearly is in the wrong, but they end up shouting at you. Come on, please. It can't just be me, Leon. Like right? like, how did we get here? How am I wrong here? Right? Because we can never say we're sorry. We can never admit it. Humility frees us to say, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. And what can God do with a heart like that? You know what I'm saying? Humility. Uh, Number four. There's only 6 don't worry. (laughs) Number four, what it is, what it does, why I need it, it frees me in the context of what we said last week. What humility does, it frees me to be kind. Humility frees me to be encouraging of others because what humility does, it changes my perspective of you. Because what pride does, it forces me to look at you with jealousy. And distrust. Humility changes that perspective. And so it makes it easy for me to encourage you. Man, you're so good at this. You are so much better at this than what I could ever be. And I can say it with a smile and not feel threatened or diminished in any way. What humility does, it allows me to go through life not with a sense of, if I'm being good to you, it diminishes me somehow. That's pride. Humility, number five, frees us to trust others. And think of this in the context of all of your relationships, beginning with God, your marriage, your friendships, all of it. You see, because what humility does, humility understands and recognizes that trust is based on grace, not performance. See, because pride says you cannot meet my standard. Humility frees me to trust you. Because it's rooted in grace, not performance. And then finally, humility frees us to do justice. Ever wondered why would God talk about do justice, be kind, and then he throws in be humble. What? Because without humility, we cannot be truly kind and we cannot truly do justice. Humility frees me to put the needs of others, especially the poor, the downtrodden, the marginalized, the broken, the hurting, before myself. And Jesus is our ultimate example. This is what the life of Jesus teaches us about humility. As we look at his ascension, To the right hand of the Father and His glory, we come to discover then that the pathway to joy, the pathway to life, the pathway to glory is humility. This was true for Christ Himself. Hebrews 12 verse 2, we we read, we understand that humility and His birth, humility, suffering first, and that then led to joy and glory. Hebrews 12, 2, Philippians 2, 9, and 11. And so this is the paradigm that we live with humility, then joy. Descent before ascent. Suffering, then glory. I end with a quote Basil of Caesarea. In a wonderful homily about humility, said the following: "Follow after humility as a lover of it. love it and it will glorify you. If you wish to travel to the true glory. This is the way with the angels and with God, and in the presence of the angels, Christ will acknowledge you as his disciple, and he will give you glory if you have imitated his humility. What does God require of us but to do justice, to love kindness? and to follow Christ's example of a humble life. Let us pray. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.